In the fall each year we all congregate The bound all gathered at the church of Pilgrim The scriptures reading from the book of Monson Our favorite verse, my God, a precious Drunk and obnoxious, what Georgia faith Ain't nothing finer in the land Now the 3,000 of our best friends It's Saturday in that thing Welcome to the Saturday in Athens podcast. We're a Georgia Bulldogs show. I am your host, Seth Saunders, joined as always by my co-host, James Kim. What's up, brother? What's up, brother? We are 10 days away. I'm so pumped away for the Bens. Can't wait to see the dogs take on the Ducks. It is so close. I, I really can't believe it. Probably when we post this, we'll be in the single digits, which is outstanding. I think everybody's kind of frothing at the mouth to watch some some dogs football. And it is fun, right? I mean, this is two years in a row where it's a marquee matchup to open the year, national TV game in that 330 slot in the Chick-fil-A kickoff like the Alabama game was last year, which we watched at the RV in Charlotte before we went over to the uh, to the opener for the dogs, the Duke's Mayo Classic. Do you want to do you want to relive our, our TV conundrum that we had at the RV last oh year? My God. <laughs> sure, why not? Oh that man, was, uh, was, I don't know. Twelve hours. Well, first off, did, let, let's 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 ask: Did Chris ever get his money back? Did you ever get a clear oh, answer man. on that? I don't know. We're gonna have to have Uncle Chris come on and do a special appearance and just tell that whole story. But let's just say it was not a great look for who was it. Was it like Dish? Is that who it Dish. was? Dish. It was it was Dish Network. Dish Network's yeah. like RV, like package, like little satellite you can bring with you or whatever. It was the biggest cluster to the points where we were on the phone so long, we just started passing the phone around to people that were at the tail. I think that that Dish product is called like the tailgate. I think that's what it's called. And the way they describe it is you just – you just pop it out of the box and plug everything in and you're, you got TV. And so we're perfect. We can't mess this up. I, I think the guy actually told Chris that you literally can't mess this up. It'll be so easy. And Chris immediately told him, don't tell me that I am. I have the worst luck with technology. I think you just jinxed it. Well, sure as shit. I mean, that thing from Friday night when we got parked in the parking lot, it, it did. I mean, it never worked. We ended up, God bless Mikey. Mikey had the whole setup where they essentially just hot spotted it in and we watched TV off the hot spot so we could actually watch the games. But I mean, it, it was a hot mess, brother. Not a great look for the dish folks. And yes, to your point, I have no idea what the resolution was. If he ever got his money back. And I mean, yeah, it, it was a whole thing. So. We have to talk oh, about man. the highlight of Friday night, though. While this thing is downloading, it's just your regular download bar, like old school download bar, and it's got like five words on there. It made a – it was stuck at word two forever, and then it made a two-word jump, and you would have thought like dogs had won the national championship on like September 1st because oh, yeah. the six of us that were there went nuts because we thought it was almost done. We were like, oh, two-word yeah. jump, two-word jump. 
Oh, yeah. We did about to do a lap around the parking lot. I mean, it was just elation that we were fixing to have TV. Yeah, that, that didn't work out great. But, hey, we had cold beer and we had food. It was all right. We had a good time. Um, yeah, so I'm, I'm ready for another repeat of, of that. Um, before we start with that, nobody can watch the game until they get signed up for the Pick'em Challenge. So that, that's, the, that's the, the first takeaway from this. We've got this awesome Pick'em Challenge set up. Pick 10 games a week, two key picks, weekly winner, season-ending winners. Got two great prize sponsors in Be Unlimited Athens and also Game Day Products. Going to have some awesome stuff for everybody all year long. Um, and also think that there's going to be a gift card uh, for one of the season winners from The Place, which is an awesome establishment in Athens. Great place to get food and drinks, especially on game day. So a lot of cool things coming. Boss and I are still hashing out the uh, couple of the season-ending prizes, but going to be cool stuff. So everybody sign up. It's going to be fun. I think now we're up to 35 or 36 people. Um, so, yeah, still a week to get to get in the league. Really, I guess, over a week because you can make picks even in the Saturday. Um, but the lines will be posted as soon as possible. Um Still up in the air whether I'm just going to use office football pools default picks or if we're going to do something like Danny Sheridan and do uh, automated picks or what we're going to do. But we'll figure that out, and it's going to be awesome. So hop in there. It's easy to sign up. doesn't cost you a dime. It's free entry. I just want it to be a place where we can all fellowship and enjoy football and, and have a blast this year. So hop on that. Um, all right, I want to talk travel plans with you. You and your boy are both getting to Atlanta bright and early saturday morning so what time are you flying at? uh 7 12 i think is when my flight's supposed to land oh boy something so like get, that you got a hot start too so yeah, no what's, I your, gotta, what's my, your depart time from richmond international 5 40 something something wow. like that so i gotta be there at like four which homie from your crib i mean you gotta leave like 3 15 Oh yeah, easy. Yeah, so all right, let me let me workshop this with you on the fly, okay? So my flight leaves Charleston at 5:30. Now, it's about a half hour drive from my house to the airport. So, I told you I'm going to Sam Hunt concert Friday night. So like I'm I'm at the concert till 11:30 probably. That's what we ballparked. That's what you think, right? Yeah. Okay. So, that gets me home at 12. Which means no different than you. I, I mean, I, I essentially got to get up three o'clock. It's like three hours sleep. I mean, to your point, it will be just like our trip to Vandy for the opener yep. of 19 all over again. Uh, it's to the point where you go, well, should I even sleep now? Hold on. I have thought about driving back to my house, dropping my beautiful wife off, then getting immediately back in my car, driving to the airport. Laying the seats down and just having myself a little snoozeroo in the parking deck. It's I think not a I'll bad get idea. More, I think I'll get more sleep. What do That's you, not I mean, a bad you, idea. What are your thoughts on that? That's not a bad idea for you. I mean, for me, I'll be I'll be at home. I'm not. I don't have any plans Friday night. So I mean, but with all the kids and running around and stuff at home, that's going to be a nightmare all unto itself for me. So. But I mean, it's, I, it's not my worst idea, right? It's not your worst idea. You've had some dumb ones before. That's actually a pretty good one. I think that's a good idea. Yeah, I think that's I a good think, idea because you're not going to want to get up 
at home at 3 a.m. after getting three hours of sleep and be functional. Like, 100%. It's, you're going to be dragging ass. 100%. And, dude, I'm not going to shower because I'll wake everybody in the house up. Yeah. My whole plan is to go there, take the flight, and then when we get to the hotel, I'll take a shower at the hotel. Plus, then you wash the airplane funk off anyway. Yeah. So, like, yeah, dude, I it, it seems like a win to me. But I've had plans in my brain that felt like a win that didn't work out. So we'll see. But I'm telling you, homie, that's where I'm leaning. I'm leaning, drive to the airport, park in the parking deck, little four-hour snooze, and then roll straight into the airport. I think it's a win. It's really not a bad idea. I got the enclave. I lay it down. It's like my own double bed back there, homie. What do you do if the concert ends early, though? Like, I don't think it will. I still think you're looking at it 11 in. But what if you do? What do you do if the concert ends at 10? Dude, you change I, that plan? Here's my thing. Here's my thing. It's on Daniel Island, which is going to be a traffic nightmare to get out of. Or mm. I think it's going to be a traffic nightmare to get out of. So I think regardless, I'm not getting back to my house till 1130. And you yeah. just start going, well, I don't know. I just, plus, let's just get down to brass tacks. Your boy ain't a morning person. <laughs> that so, is accurate. The, the, the more advantages I can give myself, the better. And the rollout of the car straight into the airport seems pretty enticing. Because I'm going to park in the garage, the deck anyways. So it's protected. Plenty of cameras. I think it'd be great. And let's also put it in perspective. This is going to be a long now, 32 hours. Right. I'm a little nervous about that. This is going to be a long 32 hours. We want to get as much rest on Friday as humanly possible. We, wherever yes, we can. 100% agree. Yeah, so when do you fly out Sunday? I have to go back and look because I was uh, batting around two different flights. It's... Nine or ten, it's early. It's not, it's early. Yeah. So I fl- I don't fly out, I don't think, till maybe 12.30 or 1 on Sunday. But it's a quick turnaround. I, I will not be gone a full 48 hours. I mean, not even close. I, I don't even know if I'll be gone 36 hours from, from when I get back. So it's going to be a quick trip. But fired up about it. Um, haven't even told you this yet. Got us, uh, got us our passes to the DGD Mafia Players Lounge tailgate. So we're oh, locked sweet. in for that. Yeah. So I think that's going to be fun. Looks like it's going to be a fun thing. Um, I think they have food and cool. It's going to be at, right at State Farm where they where the Hawks play, like right there in the whole just middle of everything. So be a good option. I think we swing by there and see how that shakes out. Hopefully meet some folks. Be fun. So, yeah, I think that'll be it a good time i think that's from 11 to 3 and yeah so we'll see how that shakes out and um actually met some folks through the charleston alumni group who are going to have a tailgate down at the bends and they invited us to swing by too so we got some options man to hang out it's gonna be cool awesome i am wondering do you think they'll have a Fan fest is the wrong word, but do you think they'll use the convention center like they do for the SEC title game where they have like stuff set up and, and beers and whatnot, or you just think it'll be hotel lobby? 
I think it'll probably be hotel lobby. I wouldn't be surprised if there's like little spots set up, like just throughout the area that they have set up. Um, they have set up stuff kind of like, I know this is going way back, but like for like you had for your bachelor party where it was just stuff set up, you know, around Atlanta, like around the yeah. area set up for like different, because people are going to be coming in from different parts of the city where they have different stuff yeah. set up throughout the city. Yeah, I kind of think you're right. I mean, I think that's how it's going to be set up too. Um, I don't think they'll have a big to do like they do for SEC Fan Fest in the convention center there, like by the Omni and stuff. But I think they'll have stuff going on. I think bars will have stuff happening. I think it'll be fun. What's your What's your take if you're ballparking it? What the stadium's going to be? I think it's going to be as bad as ninety ten. I just, I mean, dude, how many Oregon fans are making the trip to Atlanta? I don't think we got to look at it from how many Oregon fans are coming from Eugene to Atlanta. Oregon, because of Nike, is more of a national team than most than you give them a lot of credit for. So I think we're probably looking at yeah. more like an 80-20 split. I don't think we're going to get a 90-10 split. I would not even be surprised if you get a 75-25 split. Now, granted, when I say there's a lot of Oregon fans, I don't mean there's a lot of – they're not diehard like the dogs are diehard fans, like the dogs travel. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. but there's a lot of Oregon fans throughout the country because of Nike. Yeah, I get that. that. That's fair. And I mean, it is Atlanta, big city, a lot of different alumni bases. I'm sure there'll be some ducks in there and ducks that are in the Southeast that don't get a chance to see them play in person. They'll probably flock there too. So maybe I'm, maybe I'm underestimating that a little bit, but I, I still think it's gonna be packed house, red, and black. I mean, yeah. ton of, ton of dogs fans, everybody's fired up. I think it's the first opportunity to i know they had the event at the stadium but it's the first real opportunity to celebrate them being champs i think it'll be a fun and i I don't necessarily mean the team as much as just the fan base right getting together to have a tailgate experience and go to a game and and be the champs and you know i just i think it's going to be a festive atmosphere and a lot of fun um yeah so let's talk a little bit of football this is a quasi football podcast so let's talk some football um i guess the big news out of the scrimmage is andrew paul tours acl so whatever playing time he was going to get this year that's obviously not going to happen which puts the dogs at four scholarship running backs and uh, i think if we had talked earlier i would have brought up concern that kendall may or may not still be injured but per seth emerson on the athletic today he's back he was in practice and looked full speed. So that's good. I don't know if that means he is full speed, but Seth Emerson reported during the 13 minutes that they watched practice that he looked good and healthy. So that's a good thing. Um, I think just having some ability to spread those carries around is never a bad thing. So, um, and I think what that may also mean is Branson Robinson may get some carries at some point if somebody goes down. The biggest concern with Paul's injury is the same concern that we talked about in our last show with, it goes back to Kendall's durability and the concern with Kendall getting nicked up. And if he does get nicked up, then we're then relying on Kenny, who more of the Gene Cook style and then Dejan, who I, no, granted, I don't, I'm not upset that that's a monster at all, but the course of a you know fifteen game season, if those are the two, I'm not sure. We've never, you know, we just don't know because we haven't had to see them play that that amount of time. 
And from everything that you've heard coming out of camp, the concern with Branson has nothing to do with him running the ball. It's in pass ball as pass protection. Yeah. They're concerned with him blocking. That's why and that's why Paul was ahead of him supposedly on the depth chart, um, was because he was more of a complete back. So if everyone stays healthy, this injury isn't going to affect the dogs one way or another. If we get nicked up in the backfield, it's one of those things where right now it doesn't give me any pause or anything because I think they're going to have a, a pretty set heavy two rotation with um, with a third mixed in. Um, so I, I don't have, I guess, a ton of concern about it. I mean, I also think just given the way their depth is at tight end and wide receiver, I think they're going to pass more than people think they are more than they have traditionally passed. So that's that's something I'm kind of looking at too is how they spread the ball around to avoid that if it is an issue, right? To maybe baby Kenny or baby Kendall to make it so they're not having as much wear and tear if there are any kind of health concerns like that. So instead of going 35 carries a game, maybe that drops to 25 or, or whatever it may be. And I know that feels weird because it's a Kirby team and you just think they're going to grind it out. And I'm not saying they're not in certain scenarios. It's just if they get thin at the running back position, they may have to shift gears and use the short passing game more like a rushing attack. So I think that's a piece of it. And speaking on that, on the passing game, I do want to talk to you about – something that you and I've talked about offline, but I do think it's very interesting. And a few years back, and I don't think we've talked about this before this season. So I do want to talk about it. Seth Emerson did an article. I don't know if it was after the 19 season or going into the 19 season where he cited from the previous year. And I thought that was prevalent in 19 because they just didn't have a lot of returning receiving production. And that kind of bore itself out on the field. They were real thin there and it caused them problems, especially in the SEC title game this year. He did an update to the story in one of his mailbags. And I think, I think it said, I may be misquoting this, but I think they returned something like 70% of their receiving production from last year. So if we're using that as a good indicator, and Bill Conley has all the numbers like he does to back those things up. It's got to make us feel good, right? Yeah, and you're accurate. It, it, I think it's a little over 70%. I feel like it's in the 72 73% range. And you're absolutely right going back to the 19 season. He did – that's when the first article came out. And that was – I believe the article came out when J.J. Holloman was still on the team. And then – he updated it afterwards to show without Holloman, the returning production, this was Pickens freshman year. So you got to remember he, that his had no numbers to count in that. So, and he, if this isn't just a Georgia based article, this is all teams returning Correct. production. Correct. So, and you, he goes with all the teams that have their returning production and what their outcome of what their offensive production was like that next season. And I, didn't he show like LSU's returning receiving production and their like uh, record setting year as well was something was well over 70% as well. Not saying that we're going to be LSU of, of 19, but wasn't that part of the article as well? Yeah. 
I think so. He cited some teams that had had really explosive years and then showed what the returning wide receiver production was. And, you know, the correlation was pretty, pretty stark. So I think, I think that's something to be excited about. And I mean, that was one of the beauties of last year. And what I really do think has been undersold. And I think it's been undersold because the attention has been on the defense and I get that, but I think Georgia's offense from 2021 has been extremely undersold because, dude, they're taking their foot off the pedal. I mean, we talked about this last episode, but a ton of the season. So the numbers could have been crazy inflated. And if you look at their comparisons, first half points, first half efficiency, and you compare it to Ohio State's offense last year, who everybody is, you know, just all over them about. Georgia's numbers are better in like three of the four indicators. So I don't know, man. I, I just, I have a really funny feeling about this office. <laughs> and I know you're probably tired of hearing that because I have that feeling a lot, but this is a little bit different. I mean, they feel going to be good. And that's, that's the straw that stirs the drink. And so if they're keeping Stetson upright and he's got time with a, a first full year, knowing he's going to be QB one, with all this returning talent on the edge and in the backfield, and then you add in the tight ends of that equation, I just, boy, with the things Todd Munkin does from an imagination perspective and the way he schemes, I mean, dude, think about how he called that Michigan game. You talk about a beautifully called football game. And so he's going to have all those weapons at his disposal. Boy, am I fired up to see it. Yeah, and I've heard the argument a lot this year or this offseason about – against Stetson and you take Stetson's first half numbers and compare it or when the game was close within what is it 11 points I think is the what the stats were the what everybody ran and you compare it to Stroud and Young they're comparable Mm -hmm. yeah so I don't understand this and it and the thing that I hate the most is is most of the hate that he gets is still from the Georgia fan base yeah, yeah. It's not necessarily agree. from that. It's not necessarily from outside sources. Now, they don't give him love, but they don't give him this vitriol that the Georgia yeah. fan base gives him. It just – it drives me insane. Yeah, I I don't get it either, man. Like, I – it's it's all narrative-driven, right? Guys want – they want it to be Arch Manning. You know, they want this five-star guy that all the message boards and recruiting services are saying is going to be this – it's like who cares like kid just won national championship as your quarterback and he's returning with all these guys that should make you excited because that's one of the other indicators is returning quarterback production you pretty much have all of your returning quarterback production back i just i don't i don't get it man i i just don't get why people can't get on board with it and why they're so quick to want to out him and throw him under the bus and so yeah man i I think it's going to be a perfect fit. And I think he's good for what Munkin wants to do. And I think the only thing you have to do to justify that is look back at the COVID season. There was a reason they were okay with having him in from Arkansas on because he gave him the best chance to win. And I think it's because he fit the principles that Munkin has in the system, which is that threat of the run, his ability to do some things. I I just, I, I think it's a good fit. And I think it has the possibility to be a special year offensively. I want to pivot off of that 
to talk to you about the unit that I think will dictate how things go for Georgia's offense, and that's Oregon's linebackers. And we'll talk about this a little more next week, but I want to talk to you about two of them in particular, one of whom is just an absolute electric factory, like can't miss TV. And it's somebody who you and I both wanted in a Georgia uniform. And didn't happen. And that's cool. There were reasons for that. You know, had family that was already at Oregon. I get all those things. But how do you how do you say his last name? Is it Sewell or Sewell? How do you say Sewell? It? Sewell. That's what I thought. So Noah Sewell, fantastic player. And he will be the leader of that that defense and had a great year last year. Um, so he will be one to watch. The general of that defense, very Nakobe Dean-esque. I'm sure Dan Lanning has, you know, been frothing at the mouth to to work with him and, and have him as the centerpiece of their defense. And then probably one of my favorite names in college football, Mace Funa. I mean, outstanding name. Outstanding name. Has to eat quarterbacks with a name like Mace Funa, right? So I just think those two guys, and they have a deep linebacking core, but I think those two big games, it'll it'll be tighter than the experts are predicting. I'll just put it that way. What do you think? I think that it for those two to be effective, their defensive line has to beat up our offensive line. And I just don't yeah. know if they have the, I don't know if they have the horses to, I don't know enough about their defensive line because they lost so much on their defensive line. I mean, their defensive line, I think they have one returning starter and everything else is new. And plus they didn't run a traditional Dan Laney defense last year either. They're putting in a new system. So I think they're going to run a little bit of, because it's the first beginning of the season, I think they're going to kind of do the, a transition. I think Mostly what they did last transition into Laning's defense because they, you know, it's going to take a couple of recruiting cycles for him to get size that he wants the defense if he continues to run the same type of defense. So he has size to run typical Georgia 3 4. Uh, and their defense basically went through Sewell and Thibodeau last year, and they don't right. have a Thibodeau this year. Thibodeau to disrupt the quarterback, Sewell to clean up anything against him. They don't have that this year. So I'm just not sold on their defensive line. And I think, you know, if every play, I could see us getting four or five yards down the field before Sewell and I'm not going to butcher his name become a factor. Well, all right. So that's a great point. And I'm glad you bring that up because it kind of lets me transition to a, another point I wanted to talk to you about. But a lot, I don't know about a lot, but I have seen some folks reference, and I think it's a good reference point based on what Georgia is capable of doing up front with their offensive line and with their running backs. But look at the two Utah games last year when Utah played Oregon. They absolutely mauled Oregon, and it was all at the point of attack. Yep. So I think that's very favorable for Georgia. Um, on both sides of the ball, to be honest with you, because I think Georgia's D line is going to win that battle against Oregon's offensive line. So I, I, as it always is, you know, I think everybody likes to talk about the sexy stuff, all the skill position players and all those things, but it's going to come down to 
what Georgia's offensive and defensive lines do and vice versa with Oregon. And I think you bring up a great point. I think Oregon's D-line is going to be overmatched with Georgia's offensive line. This is not going to be the opener last year against Clemson with Clemson's D-line, which we talked about at the game that night. Like, Dude, they are real. I mean, that D-line was real. And if uh, – who's their stud? Brian uh, – what's the kid's last name? Breezy. Breezy. Dude, Breezy didn't get hurt. Brian Breezy. I mean, that, that was a big deal, I thought, when he got hurt. So, yeah, I, it's going to be a different ballgame. I think Georgia is going to have a lot more dominion at the line of – at the in the offensive line against Oregon's defensive line that we saw last year in the opener against Clemson. And I think it's going to be a lot more – lanes and holes for Georgia's running backs and and time in the pocket for Stetson to do things in the passing game. So, yeah, I, I'm excited about that. And we'll talk about this more next week. But I just – those are some things I was thinking about today. So I wanted to chuck them at you and see what you thought. Um, what, what am I missing? What else What else should we be talking about for next week? I mean, as has Oregon come out and said Bo Nix is going to be the starter? I don't think they've made an official announcement. And that's one of the things I, I think we're going to see both quarterbacks. I think Nick's will be the starter, but I think this is going to be a lot of, I, I don't know the, the quarterback. I think he's a freshman. I, I think this situation is going to be a lot like Clemson in 20 and 2014. The, um, there was a quarterback who started for Clemson and then Watson rotated in like every third drive. Uh-huh. And then like halfway yep. through the year, Watson took over. I, yep. A lot, a lot like that with Knicks because this kid is a starter, but I think this kid will be on the field. I think his last name's Thornton. I think he'll be on the field quite a bit. Yeah, and I mean, in all honesty, that's good for us. If you're if you're rolling guys in and out, I, I am the biggest opponent of a quarterback rotation. It never works. It just it just does not work. I think the only time it's come close to working is. Florida in 08 or 07, 07, 08, 08, when they had, no, 07, when they had Chris Leak and Tim Tebow. 07 championship. Yeah. Cause I mean, Chris Leak was the starter, but they had set packages where they're rolling in Tebow. And I thought it worked beautifully because they were complimentary and both good leaders. And that, that's the, that's the exception though. That's not the rule. Quarterback rotations do not work, all capital letters. Um, so, great. Rotate them all you want. Fire it up about it. <laughs> That's great for us. Good announcing crew. I mean, it's not going to affect us, but good announcing crew. I like McDonough and Blackwich. Yeah, I'll be excited to see it on the um, on the TV copy. Probably not going to watch it on Sunday because I plan on sleeping when I get home, but on yeah. Monday I'll watch it. But I – It'll be interesting to see how they call the game. I mean, they're they're pretty neutral when it comes to Georgia. I don't really feel like they, you know, one way or another. It's not like watching Danielson. So, no. Which for uh, an older generation of Georgia fans, I'm sure there's a lot of hard feelings when when Blackledge is on the call. But we didn't experience that in person, so I don't have the same animosity towards. <laughs> Plus, no, I love, I, I not love at all. Like, I love they love to eat. My man's so, love to eat. Yeah. So, and it is also kind of nice knowing that. We're almost done with Danielson. So uh, this year, I'm not. I'm still going to despise listening to him, but to know that it's almost over will be make it a little easier to swallow. Yeah, dude. Did you see? Did you see the tweet? The C- SEC, the CBS 
tweet. Maybe it was CBS or maybe it was the Big Ten. But it's but it said um, it played the intro music, which I thought was very. I mean, look, I hate that the intro is leaving, but you talk about a spiteful move, boy. That was a yeah. epic tweet. I mean, good for them. If you're gonna dig it in, that's a great way to dig it in. So uh, I thought that was interesting. Yeah, that that does bring up the question: What is ESPN gonna do? I mean, they gotta figure something out. You think they go? You think they go Sunday night football in ESPN style and get like a singer to actually cut a song specifically for SEC football, like the primetime game? Uh, I wouldn't be surprised, or I wouldn't be surprised if they actually pick like a like like a song that's very prevalent, like brings in like you know, probably a country song that brings in like ties in football in the South and stuff like that to bring it in, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. I, it's going to be su- super interesting to see the interplay once the Big Ten deal officially hits and they're on the various networks, except for ESPN and ABC. Because somebody brought this up and it's, it's a valid point. What's the benefit of college game day going to any Big Ten games? Yeah. I mean, I, I think you have to do it because of the college football culture, but from a network perspective and a business perspective, what's the benefit of having your flagship pregame show at a big 10 site that you're not going to carry on any of your networks the whole season. So yeah, it's going to be interesting, man. I I think it changes that dynamic a lot, but that's a, that's a whole nother conversation to see how all that's going to play out. You think eight, eight o'clock will become the new three thirty game for the sec. Don't you think? that eight o'clock ABC game will become the old three thirty game. Yep. That'll be the SEC game of the week. So secondary question is the cocktail party now a night game. I don't think it'll have its permanent slot anymore because it'll it'll depend on, I I think it'll be a variable depending on the year. I mean, let's be realistic. Did last year's I mean, I don't remember the other games, but like, as a whole, did the Georgia Florida game deserve the three thirty slot last year? That was no man. That that's always stuck in there strictly because it's the cocktail party. It's just like OU yeah. Texas. It's it's always going to get that slot. That's what makes me think it'll stay at three thirty. Um, plus, uh, the let's just have a brass tacks conversation. Everybody involved has to know that it, it would be a disaster for that game to be at eight o'clock. Yes, yes, it would. But it also it also depends. Does it stay the cocktail party? Like, I mean, this all depends. Is it staying in Jacksonville? I think there's a lot of factors that go into that. So, which is another conversation yeah, I, that's, for another day. That's, but there's a lot yeah, of factors that go into that. That's fair. But as long as it's in Jacksonville and it's the cocktail party as we know and love it, you can't be having that game at 8 o'clock, homie. Somebody will die. I, I, don't think, I don't think most of the fans will make it. No, they wouldn't. And there, that's what I'm saying. Probably, there probably will be some brawls, too, in, in the, at the tailgates. Yes. Uh, that game's got to be 3.30. Got to. <laughs> it's a it's a stretch for some folks to make it three thirty, brother. I believe it. I'm not, I know you've yeah. had some struggles to make it to the three thirty game. Oh, oh man, that was a ricochet shot right there. Oh boy, <laughs> hey, you walked into that one. I sure did, man. I set that right up on the tee for you. You hit it out of the park. Proud of you. <laughs> Proud of you. Proud of you. I mean, that was over the that was over center field, baby. That might have been gone over the batter's eye. 
Good Lord. Just taking, taking your boy to task there. It's true though. It's good humor is based in, based in facts. And that's true. My friend, <laughs> Hey, I like to get after it, man. I'm hot out the gate, hot out the gate. Um, all right. I will not be doing that on Saturday though. Can't I'm gonna have to be paced all day getting in early. I am going to document it. I'm going to be, I'm going to shoot some videos. If I end up sleeping in the car and you don't think your boy is shooting a TikTok video from the back seat when I lay down, you don't know a thing about it. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. I have to join TikTok just to see this stuff. Yes, exactly. All right. Well, that's all I got today, homie. I'm sure I'm missing something, but I think we talked about all the things I wanted to talk to you about. Yep. I think we're good for this week. All right, man. At when this, when this airs single digits, brother, we can see the light. Single digits. I, I texted somebody today that we're, we're 10 days away from the world returning to its axis. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so true. So, yeah. so true. All right, brother. Well, until our preview episode next week, go dogs, sick them. Go dogs. Hey, George is better now.